Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Hey folks, welcome to the Keep or Cut podcast, a proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Pete Ball, joined as always by Chad Young. We have our trade deadlines coming up. I know Chad's got a lot on his mind. I'm in like a thousand leagues. I feel like I've made more trades this year, Chad, than I have made ever in fantasy baseball. I've made a bunch too, and I'm in this like, I you know, my my auto new leagues, obviously, like they all have the same trade deadline, which is the end of August. And so I still got a couple of weeks for those. But a lot of my other leagues, it's like this week. And so I've been like, I've been hammering away at that. I've got one league, my my CBS league that I've talked to you guys uh, quite a bit about in the past. I made three trades in the last three days, trading eight of my players for five new players in a, in a league where we have 25 man rosters. Now there's some IL spots and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> right. There, there are some IL spots and, and some minor league spots. So some of this has been, uh, you know, moving more out from outside that 25, but you know, it's a, it's at least a quarter. It's more than a quarter for sure. Less than a third, more than a quarter of my, my roster turning over. So a lot of work. <laughs> it's good though. It's good though. It's like, you know, you, you're making those adjustments that you wanted to see all season. And now we're going to see if they work. Um, we, we do want to talk about our teams if we have time at the end of the show, but we turn to you, the listeners who we love so much it's, and, and we hope you return the love by leaving us reviews ratings and all that good stuff love reading those um but we turned to you on twitter to get some questions and chad and i want to just jump right into it because we got quite a few questions and uh we want to spend some time definitely honing in on the people and we're going to start with this first one from ryan beck at beck r-y-a-c on twitter and Ryan asks, I'm trying to rebuild Team Bednars and Boomsticks in League 100. That's a Fangraphs points league, but I'm a bit lost. Specifically, I have an overabundance of third baseman, which, man, that must be nice. Like, <laughs> knowing know. who, who has an abundance <laughs> of third baseman, my goodness. <laughs> knowing how third base has gone for me this year, man, like, good for you. But uh, the first one that he lists is a $17 Rendon, which, I mean, yeesh, we can talk about that. $12 Cabrian Hayes, $5 Brett Beatty, that's exciting, $4 Alec Baum, $3 Yandy Diaz, good old Yandy, and a $3 Patrick Wisdom. Third base is a hole, but can you play keep, shop, cut with these guys? I love that kind of game. I got some ideas in mind, but Chad, what do you think of this question from Ryan? I, I love the idea. We, I, I feel like we should be playing keep, shop, cut on like a regular basis. This should be a new regular feature on the show is totally. listing players and playing keep shop cut. Cause I'm, I'm just excited about this, but I'm NBA I, I Twitter, had a hard time with this. NBA Twitter does this all the time. I, I love it. It's 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 bench bench one, start one, cut one. And I definitely got that order wrong, but we're, we're from now on. Thank you, Ryan. Huge shout out. We're going to do this from now on. I'm going to pick three different players and, and we'll do it. But anyway, back to this overabundance of third baseman. 
Yeah. So I, I did that. I went through and I looked and I, I played keep shop cut with each of these guys and starting with the, the $17 Rendon, I, he's a cut to me. I, I'm sure that other people are going to disagree. I think you could make a case for holding him until the off season just to avoid somebody else picking him up for like 10 bucks. But I don't know. I, I mean, he's been, he's been bad. He's been hurt. And I, I don't want him at 19 next year. So, you know, there are guys who I will hold into the off season to avoid them being cheap, but I don't think Rendon qualifies for that. To me, if I needed the cap space, I would cut him in a rebuild. And if someone else wants him fine, I'll take the $17 in cap space. Like that's as opposed to like, people who are sitting on a like $40 Fernando Tatis Jr. or $50 Tatis Jr. and thinking like, I don't want to keep him at this price, but if I cut him, someone else gets him for 30 and that's, that's not good either. I, I agree with that. Like giving someone else a $30, a shot at a $30 Tatis could change a league. Giving someone else a shot at a $10 Rendon, meh. So I would cut him. Cabrian Hayes at $12, I would shop. I like Hayes. We've talked about Hayes. We don't need to go into detail on him because we, we covered him last week quite a bit. But $12 at 14 next year, he is getting borderline for like, there's the breakout potential. And if he, you know, if he comes into spring training next year and his launch angle is suddenly double what it what it's been. Yeah, that $14 will feel like a steal. But if it's not, like he hasn't been worth that this year. And so I, I, I'd be fine moving on from him. And I just wouldn't cut him because you don't know when that breakout might come. And so I'm shopping him to see if I can get something for him. And if I can't, I'll sit and wait and see if the breakout comes this year, right? If his launch angle is much better in September than it's been the rest of the year. Hey, then then you've got some information you can use. Uh, Brett Beatty at $5 is a keep for sure. I I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Alec Bohm at $4 is also a keep for me. He's been really, really good over the last two months or so. And, you know, the challenge with him is he's always gonna be a little bit BAPIP dependent because he doesn't hit for a ton of power, but I think he's, I, I would like to have him at six bucks next year. Yandy Diaz is a shop for me. He's been well worth that $3. I definitely wouldn't cut him. I could see keeping him. I don't need to, to move him, but I think given the other third base options here, I'd be happy to move on from him from him. And Patrick wisdom to me is I think a keep. At $3, that's a pretty good price on Patrick Wisdom. And, you know, he, last year in my head, I had sort of bucketed bucketed, bucketed him <laughs> in with Frank Schwindel. I can say that word, I promise. Bucketed. I bucketed him with Frank Schwindel. But, I don't know, Wisdom, I don't know. Maybe I'm going back and forth now because, like, I'm looking at him and the power is legit, right? I mean, he had 28 home runs last year. He's at 21 this year. He's probably going to push 30 by the end of the season. But he's only putting up 4.64 points per game in Outer New. I thought he'd be doing better than that. Maybe he was doing better than that. He's been ice cold. Last 10 games, he hasn't done much at all. So... I don't know. Now I'm going around. Now maybe I think I would shop wisdom because someone like me is going to think he's better than he's been. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you with pretty much all of those. I have a little bit of a philosophical difference with two of them. Like to me, if I tried to shop Brian Hayes right now, that's a that's a hard sell. Um, he just hit the IL. Uh, and, and because of his price, I think teams aren't going to be that interested. Brett Beatty, on the other hand, 
I don't want this to come across as I'm not interested in the player. Of course, I'm interested in the player. But he's a top prospect who just got called up, who hit a home run, hit another ball 113 miles an hour, and you have him for five bucks. Like I, you, you might be able to get an absolute haul for him. And worst case, you trade him, and he is a stud. Well, your other third base options look pretty good. Um, so I think that could be okay. I thought it was funny that he had Kebrian Hayes and Yandy Diaz there because, like, I fear that Kebrian Hayes becomes Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz, yeah. Right, because he does not fix the launch angle. But you're right. If we see that going back up, then that is more exciting. Uh, I think, I mean, Chad, you have so much more experience with this than me. It's got to be the strikeout rate for wisdom that that makes him so few points per game because other guys, if they're putting the ball in play more chances at at least, you know, reaching on an, an error and then scoring a run, which kind of makes things a wash or at least getting an RBI. If they, if they get out, like if you're striking out all the time, it's just like minus four minus five every night when you give those over fours and over five. So is that what it is with wisdom? I mean, it's, it's gotta be, he's sort of got a weird line this year. Like he's, He's striking out 33.5% of the time. He is walking 10.9% of the time, though. So he walks okay. a decent amount. And as a result, a his boring on- Blair. <laughs> yeah. His on base percentage, though, is only 313, despite that 11% walk rate, because he's striking out so much. And it's it's not really a BAPIP issue. He's got a 291 BAPIP. So, like, maybe there's room for that to regress positively, but I wouldn't count on it. I think the bigger thing for him is he's only got an 18% home run per fly ball rate. And that sort of surprises me a little bit. He was at 30% last year. Well, I didn't necessarily think he'd be at, you know, repeating that 30.8%. I would have expected something more from him. But then like I go look at his stat cast data and like his hard hit rate is really good. 46.5%. His barrel rate is 14.3%. That's also good, but they're both down from last year. And his ex-slugging and his ex-woba are lower than his slugging and his woba. So it's not like you look at the stat cast data and it's like, oh, he should be hitting more home run. Like, just seems like maybe this is who he is. So now I'm, I don't know, I'm getting a little, I'm getting cold feet with wisdom. And, and so, you know, maybe he does become a, a, a shop. I, I think, though, the real thing here, and this, I think, gets to the philosophical point you were making, right, is... What I'd be doing if this were my team is I would have Rendon, Hayes, Beatty, Bohm, Yandi, and Wisdom all on the block with a note that says, I don't need six third basemen next year. <laughs> Let's talk and then see what happens. Because if, you know, given the choice between trading Hayes, like if I, I the guys I'd most want to keep, so let's say this, if I'm going to keep one of these guys, I would like it to be Beatty, Bohm, or Hayes. Those are the three I like the most long-term. Given the choice of which one of those guys I'm going to trade, it's going to come down to the return. And it's not necessarily that I'm going to take whoever gets me the the most back, but whoever's going to get me the most back relative to their value. So I don't think there's any question that right now, to your point, Brett Beatty will get you the biggest return of those guys. I also think he's the guy of those three I like the best for the future. So I, I don't, you know, I'm not anxious to move him. But if I'm going to get, you know, a buck 25 on the dollar for Beatty and 75 cents on the dollar for Hayes because of their, their current trajectories at the moment, then I'll take the buck 25 on the dollar for Beatty and I'll keep Hayes and that's fine. So that that's my thinking on those guys. Um, I, I would have them all in the market and I would just see, see what comes up. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I think that's that's the way to go. List them all. If you want to free up some money right now, I wouldn't expect to get any offers for the Rendon. So that might just be a cut no matter what. Uh, and then list everybody else. But thank you, Ryan, for the question. Let's dive into Kevin's. So we got a question from Kevin Conlon on Twitter. That's at Kevin, Kevin Conlon 12. I don't really have a specific question he starts off with, but I'm wondering your thoughts on prospect trades. Like what kind of return should a win now team expect if shopping high end close talent like Corbin Carroll or Gunnar Henderson? Now I'll talk about it after you chat, but I did deal for Corbin Carroll this year, but it was an expensive Corbin Carroll. So I'll share that trade in just a minute. But Chad, I kind of know how you feel about prospects. So I think I know how you're going to answer. But what do you think here? Yeah, I'm always up for trading my prospects. I mean, I, I think to me, a guy like Carroll or Henderson, especially if you're competing, like cashing them in now is more valuable to me than sitting on them. Now, you've got to get good value for them. And if I'm trading one or both of those guys, I better get, like, it better be good value, right? And and so Kevin came back with a couple of specific examples where he was offered, well, I don't know if he was offered these. They were just examples. He was, oh, no, they did. He he said, I received two offers from the same owner. His $32 Springer for my $2 Rowdy Telez, $2 Ellie Dela Cruz, and $3 Josh Young. Or his $32 Springer for Carroll straight up. $3 $3 Carol straight up. And like to me, I, I really like young and I really like Carol and I don't really like Springer. He's had injury issues. His performance can be a little inconsistent. I just, he's not the guy I want if I'm trading Carol. Like there is a very finite list. You know, if there's a team that has a, you know, $45 Aaron judge that they're shopping, then I want to talk. I'll talk to him about Carol. If there's a team that has a $50 Shohei Otani that they're shopping, I'll talk to them about Carol. But like, I need a difference maker. I need somebody who's going to come onto my team and fundamentally change my chances of winning. Now, we also got a report. We're recording this on Thursday. There's also a report today that the D-backs expect Carol to be up this year. So maybe that changes the calculus a little bit because he might actually help you this year. Doesn't change that I'd be shopping him, but it's worth thinking about. For either of those guys, though, I want, like, I better go from feeling like, yeah, I have a shot to win this league. Or if I'm if I'm fighting for second place or third, whatever, I have a shot at the thing I'm fighting for, and now I'm going to get it, right? And obviously, nothing is a sure thing. You can't ever say, like, yeah, I'm definitely going to get it. But, like, it needs to be close to that kind of return for those guys. Because I think you can get that kind of return, right? The reality is, in any league, like, if there's a league where there's, like, four people selling right now, you can go pick the best player across those four teams if you've got Carroll or Henderson and dangle them, and you can probably find a deal. You don't need to settle. That's what I was just going to follow up with. Like, if you have a $3 Carroll, I mean, it's hard to, if you're a team that's buying, or, or I'm sorry, if you're a team that's selling, it's harder to find a player that you'd want more than a $3 Corbin Carroll, right? On, on many dynasty exactly. lists, on many. On many prospect lists, he's the number one fantasy prospect right now. Power, speed, the whole deal, and he's tearing it up at AAA. He's on the cusp. So, and Arizona's not shy with prospects. I'm not surprised at all by that report, right? I mean, Alec Thomas was up maybe a little bit earlier than we expected, and I could have swore there was one or two others. Maybe I got that wrong. But whatever the case is, um, I I would want the same thing. And I'm with you on Springer. I just feel like, you know, given his injury history, he's already, he just got back from injury this season. He's on the older side. Um, if I have a $3 Corbin Carroll, 
then, you know, I'm looking to get something bigger. Worst case, if George Springer really is the best thing you can get and you're all in on this year, I would rather, I think, part with Telez, Ellie De La Cruz, and Josh Jung than trade my $3 Corbin Carroll. But that's just me. I'd rather take the roster spots and keep the top or the better yeah. prospect. When I when I made my notes earlier, I said that I would rather trade Carroll, but that's because I'm very high on Young. I think he's I think he's closer to Carroll in value than most people think. Um and Ellie De La Cruz is as high upside as a prospect gets, although there's a lot of risk in that profile still. But knowing that Carroll might be up this year, I think changes that calculus for me. And then I start to feel like, yeah, maybe I would tra- rather trade the trio, get Springer. But yeah, I don't know. This is again, this is a hard one for me because like if someone was like, what would you give me for my $32 Springer? Like not these packages, yeah. <laughs> like That's, but that's me on Springer. And I understand that I'm low on Springer. So, well, Josh Jung, two home runs the other night uh, at AAA Round Rock. So he is, he's on his way. I think we'll see him soon too, Chad. Do you think he's going to be up? I think so. I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I hope so. I certainly hope so. Yeah. It'd be weird if he wasn't. Why waste these bullets? Get him up here. Get him playing with Seager on that left side. Um, so Kevin continues. Uh, continuing that thought from before, which side do you guys like here in a fan grass points league? A $3 Corbin Carroll, $2 Rowdy Telez. Or no, that's the same. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, so we add something here. $3 Corbin Carroll, $2 Rowdy Telez, $2 De La Cruz, $1 Braxton Garrett, or $32 Springer and $20 you Darvish. Yeah, Two so players is, Chad does not like. I know. This is the thing. I just like, I don't like Springer or Darvish. And it's not that I think they're bad. They're just, I think that they are like, they are among a tier of players where I think they are the ones I like the least. And so, I mean, if I, if I'm looking at these deals, like these three possibilities, at least with this one, you're getting both Springer and Darvish. But I don't know. I'd still be looking for something better. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, no, uh, I'm kind of with you. And it feels like you're bailing out the other manager because like, I don't know if you're selling those two, they're, they're on probably cuttable contracts, right? Like you Darvish at $22 next year. I don't know if I'd do that. George Springer is not going to be a $34 player. I don't think so. They are really true rentals and not that attractive of ones. And they're going to end up getting the top prospect in baseball. So that, that to me is a no, um, for what it's worth, just because it's so close to this trade, I traded on June 19th a $30 U Darvish and a $14 Trey Mancini with a loan to cover it for a $4 uh, Brian Bayo and an $8 Corbin Carroll, which I know sounds pricey for Carroll, but if he is up by the end of the year, um, you know, I, I think in next year's auction, I'd willingly pay $10 for him. So I'm okay with making that trade. Yeah, I think that's, I think it makes a lot of sense. So uh, let's move on to a question from David. He is at L David. JM on Twitter. Uh, in Otnu, does your valuation of prospects change if each team has five minor league spots that are in addition to the regular spots? Head to head Otnu fangraph points with playoffs. How much do you value top prospects if in the playoffs, $2 Carol plus $2 Garner for $80 to Grom? So that last question is whoa. Um, let's start with the first one because this reminds me of the old Otnu question of the day. Um, so, Chad, take it away. Minor league spots. What do we think? Yeah, so, uh, you know, 
Pete, I don't think you play in any leagues like this, but there there are a bunch of leagues out there where people have their own sort of quirky rules, adjustments, things they do on the side. And one of the more common ones, it's not actually common, but more common than the others is this like five MILB or in some cases 15 MILB where teams have an offline draft where they stash players that you don't have a salary for them. They don't take up one of your 40 roster spots. Most cases, those guys have to be added to your active roster as soon as they get like a plate appearance or an inning pitched or something like that. But I've played in a couple leagues like that. I, I will say for anyone listening, considering this, like it's sort of fun. I sort of like it. I also think that auto news economics are, are well structured and well thought out. And I don't think things like this are additive necessarily, but this isn't a bad one, but it, Basically, the question is, if you take the 12 teams and you say each of them are going to, after the auction, be able to draft five prospects. So they're now going to have 60 minor league players added to, you know, taken out of the player pool. Like that definitely makes prospects less valuable, right? Because you go from only having a small number of them being worth rostering to and needing to spend money on them to all sudden there's like, you can stash a bunch of dudes for a long time. Uh, and, and so, you know, we talked in the last conversation about that, like $2 Ellie Dela Cruz, but like Ellie Dela Cruz is probably on someone's roster for free in this format. Honestly, so is Corbin Carroll in a lot of cases, because he's the kind of guy who probably got drafted last year. Now in this case, he's not, he's been promoted fine. So it definitely like it makes prospects less valuable. I am less excited about them, but I don't think it changes meaningfully the value of the top prospects, right? Where, where it has the bigger impact are on those mid tier guys, because all of a sudden they're just easily replaceable. Whereas the top guys are still the top guys, right? The guy who has the potential to be, you know, the, the, the Julio Rodriguez types, are still the Julio Rodriguez types and, and Carol and Henderson fall into that camp right now of elite top prospects. And so it doesn't to me massively change the value of a guy like of those two. It does change the value to me of a guy like maybe even a guy like Brett Beatty, who we talked about before, right. Who's just not quite as elite is more. And there's just more options for prospects when you've got all these spots. So, that said, getting into this trade, I, no, I would not trade Carol and Gunner for $80 to Grom. Just wouldn't. I, I mean, for, for a couple of reasons here. One is like $80 to Grom is so obviously a rental that it's silly, right? There's no possibility you're keeping him at that. The other thing is if you have Carol and Gunner, there is nobody else in that league coming close to matching that offer for prospects. It's not possible. There's, it's literally not possible. Like some other team might have like Francisco Alvarez and I don't know, Grayson Rodriguez or something. I don't even know like what the next, like if you, what other two prospects you would pick, but like a catcher and a pitcher is not nearly as exciting to me as, as Henderson and Carroll, especially given how close they are. So like that offer is so far and away better than what other people are going to offer among prospects that like you should be able to offer Carroll or Gunner. Thank you. And maybe another piece with them, maybe something small with them. I can, I can get, but like one of those guys for DeGrom should do it. And if that isn't going to do it, then go find some other pitcher that's being sold. 
go yeah. find go go get a Brandon Woodruff or a Zach Wheeler or someone like that who's also expensive but not as expensive, who's also good but not as good, and get them get get someone who's seventy five percent of Degrom's value for forty percent, fifty percent of that trade ask. It's just that is a such a hefty ask. Like I I obviously get how good Degrom is, but I don't know, man. I like even no matter how much I'm contending to trade and they're both on such good contracts, two dollars. Like I I've there's a seven dollar Gunnar Henderson in another league that I'm going after. I've got an eight dollar Corbin Carroll. This person has both of them at two dollars. man, you have the leverage. Like say pick one. And if you don't like it, well go find a better prospect for your DeGrom. Like no way am I giving both of those just just as an example in league one now it's a different format right it's it's uh four by four instead of points but close enough DeGrom was traded on July 10th and there was a a legitimate bidding war like straight up a legitimate bidding war and I know this because I was involved in the bidding war because I wanted that DeGrom I did not get that DeGrom I'm trying to pull up what I was offering. So I made the day before DeGrom got traded, I made two offers for DeGrom. Offer number one was Ezekiel Tovar at $3, Vinny Pascantino at $6, and Bryson Stott at $2 for straight up for DeGrom, $53. The other was that same Tovar and Pascantino along with a $1 Taj Bradley and a $4 Garrett Whitlock for DeGrom, Hayter, and Edwin Diaz. So get a couple of elite relievers, although Hayter has gone sideways since then, to say the least. The deal that ended up getting made was DeGrom for a $4 Grayson Rodriguez and a $3 Zach Fiend. Now, I could argue that the offer I made straight up for DeGrom of Tovar, Pascantino, and Stott is better than Grayson Rodriguez and Zach Fiend. And actually, given the way Pascantino's hit this, you know, last week or two, it, it feels like that's the better offer. At the time, though, I get it. I totally understood. I like I even said to the other manager, I was like, yeah, I understand. Like, I don't think it's the deal I would have taken. I would have taken my offer, but I understand why you took that one, especially with Grayson Rodriguez. I'm not a huge Zach Veen fan. Anyways, the point is that in a situation where there was a legitimate bidding war going on with names like Tovar and Pascantino and Taj Bradley and Grayson Rodriguez and Zach Veen and Garrett Whitlock being thrown around, the deal that ended up getting done was Grayson Rodriguez and Zach Veen. Carroll and Henderson is like, <laughs> it's so much better than that. It's just, it's the wrong starting point. It's the wrong yeah. starting point. Yeah, tell them to pick one. Like, I, I, it's the best pitcher in yeah. baseball, hands down. I get it. You want something for your rental piece, but man, eighty dollars. It's not even a question that he's a cut. So, I'm with you, Chad. Because he brought his name up, I want to throw a player out there and, and get some quick thoughts because we we talked about him quite a bit. And I was with you. I thought this player was going to get called up. I thought you made a pretty compelling case. But Francisco Alvarez has hit a brick wall uh, at AAA. His K rate is up at twenty eight point eight percent. Uh, his WRC plus is 90. He's hitting 172 at AAA. Knowing the fickleness of catcher and just h- how hard it is to not only hit major league pitching, but to catch and then try and hit major league pitching. Uh, are you cooling on Alvarez at all in terms of a fantasy prospect? I don't want to get Mets fans upset. This guy is a beast and, and it's like 70 grade raw power. Like Alvarez is, is going to be good, but like, nah, I'm not. Cooling. No? Okay. I, I mean, I, He's got a, he has a a uh, 
Yes, he's hitting 172. He has a 200 BAPIP. That's not going to continue, right? So you correct that BAPIP and like the rest of the numbers, yes, he has a 28.8% strikeout rate. That's high. He was at 24.6 in in high A and 24 in double A. It was going to go up. He's going to be a a 25 to 30% strikeout rate when he in the majors when he gets started. It may come down over time, hopefully it will, but like he's going to strike out a lot. His walk rates in high A and double A were 12 and 12.2%. He's walking a 16% rate in triple A right now. I I don't he's got 5 home runs and 125 plate appearances like you know, prorate that to 600 plate appearances. That's a 25 home run pace. Like that's fine. Now he's a catcher. He won't get 600 plate appearances, blah, 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 blah. Fine. He's still, the power is there. The plate discipline is fine. Like he's not going to, he's not going to have low strikeout rates. He's just not, but he's walking a lot and he's, he's strikeout rate is sort of where I would expect it to be. And his BAPIP is low. And if his BAPIP weren't low, I think his offense would look fine. And that, that to me is what this sort of all comes down to. I, I'm, you know, his home run per fly ball rate is 20.8%. It's right in line with where like double A, it was 21.7%. I, there's nothing that I'm seeing that, that is concerning to me in a long-term manner. Now, catchers struggle when they call up, get called up. Like they are notoriously slow to develop. I, I, Adley Rutschman appears to be the exception to the rule, but maybe he's the exception that proves the rule because they slow played bringing him up so much that by the time he came up, he was really, really ready. And even he had a couple of weeks where he was awful before he got things going. So like, I don't expect that Alvarez will get called up and be a star right away. It's going to take a little time, but no, I don't see anything in his triple a performance so far that that cools me. If other people do, you, you can trade him to me. (laughs) You know where to find me. So that was actually where I was where I was kind of going with this, where I it's not that I'm it's not that I look at, you know, twenty-eight AAA games and be like, oh wow, this guy's a bust. That's obviously not where I'm going with this. But I, I feel like I've been pretty consistent with my takes on catchers since we started the show. And I if I have a two dollar Francisco Alvarez or a one dollar Francisco Alvarez or whatever, you know, put him in the range of all these prospects that we're talking about. And and he obviously has a lot of buzz. And there's a reason these numbers are down, by the way. He he was not a double A for long. Uh, obviously not a full season. He, I mean, 67 games at double A. So he has an excuse. But it's it's just a position that makes me want to trade him away. And, and and because this is a trade deadline episode and and people are making decisions and there are plenty of long term leagues out there with people who are rostering Francisco Alvarez. If I have some top prospects, you know, if I'm sitting on like a Josh Jung and a Francisco Alvarez and uh, Ellie De La Cruz, who we just mentioned, I think I could not only get the best return for Francisco Alvarez, but I think he's actually the piece that I'm looking to move because I just don't trust the position. And we see it time and time again. I mean, you just said it. I'm not, I don't need to repeat it, right? Adley Rushman even struggled out of the gate and he looks like the exception to the rule. But like you said, it's because they slow played it so much that he's, he's more ready to go. He's also just a ridiculous, ridiculous talent that it's not f- even fair to compare these other prospects to him. I just, I don't trust the position. It's too hard for me. It's clearly too hard for a lot of MLB prospects to come up to play it. And so I'm I'm thinking about moving my catching prospects, and it's not just Alvarez. I mean, a lot of people have cooled on Moreno just in terms of buzz, not in terms of his his future prospects, but because he did get called up and and he didn't get a lot of opportunity and he struggled when he got opportunity. But if I could move a Moreno or I could move a Francisco Alvarez for pieces right now, I feel more comfortable doing that 
than trading a you know a Josh Jung or, or or somebody who who plays a different position. Yeah, I mean, if I'm competing and I've got Alvarez, I'm happy to shop him. I just would note that it's like, and yes, you're right, comparing anyone to Adley is a, a little risky. But it is worth noting that Francisco Alvarez, like when Adley Rutschman was Francisco Alvarez's age, he was in college. <laughs> when, Ad, when Adley Rutschman was a year older than Alvarez is right now, he was having an up and down, hot and cold year between rookie ball, low A, and high A. Like, what Alvarez is doing right now where he destroyed double a and is holding his own, right? It's not pretty, but a 90 WRC plus for a catcher is holding your own at triple a as a 20 year old. Like that's special. So yes, I would trade him. If I were competing, I would be happier to trade him than some other prospects. I agree with that because I worry about catchers, but I, man, he looks special to me. Yeah, that's totally fair. And and one more point before we go to break. I think it could be healthy for him that he's going through a kind of slump, you know, bad luck strikeout slump before he hits the majors. Uh, maybe he's able to deal with it a little bit better. It's really those guys who we just see absolutely pummel AAA and, and put it in the ground and then they get called up and they have no idea what they're doing. So maybe this is good for Alvarez, but there's no way to tell that. Uh, maybe he would know. But anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more of your questions. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, everybody. Welcome back to the Keep or Cut podcast. I want to remind you where you can find us to follow us. You can follow the show at, at Keep or Cut. You can follow Chad at, at Chad Young, and you can follow myself on Twitter at, at Pete B Baseball. Chad and I are talking your questions as you approach your trade deadlines, be it Ot New, which most of the questions are, or any of your other leagues. And don't think like, oh man, I missed the question episode. That's it. We would take your questions any place, anytime. We'd love to discuss them on the show. Um, so let's jump, jump, not jump. That's not a word. Let's jump into the next question. Jump into here. the next question. Yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Let's jump into the next question here from Vikabot at Vikabot, V-I-K-A bot one on Twitter. I have Vinny Pasquantino, Andrew Vaughn, and Nick Prado for first base. All very low prices. Another nice problem to have there in an odd new oh, yeah. fan graphs points. That is nice. That is nice. Rebuilding year, though. Is there a realistic relief pitcher out there that would be worth Prado? with an eye towards next year. Is it dumb to stash relief pitchers? I think this is a great question. So Chad, what do you think? So before we get into whether or not it's dumb to stash relief pitchers and whether or not it's dumb, if there's one for Prado, that makes sense. Keep in mind that 
these guys are not all first basemen. I mean, they are all first basemen in that they all play first base. But Andrew Vaughn has played, I think he's maybe even played more outfield than first base since he's come up. And he's going to qualify an outfield next year for sure. He has already played enough outfield this year that he will be outfield eligible next year. Prado has already played enough outfield this year that he will be outfield eligible next year. Pascantino is probably not going to play outfield. I don't think he. I don't think he has played. No, Let's there's see. no way that dude is capable of playing not. outfield. He has played zero games in the outfield <laughs> at any level this year, and that will probably continue to be the case. But this is just an important thing. Like, if you go to a player page in Auto New, you can see both their current and their projected 2023 positions, as well as a chart lower down on the page that shows you their progress in games and games played, like games played and games started towards other positions. In other leagues, like my CBS league, you don't have quite that level of, of tooling available, but check your league settings, make sure you know what it takes to qualify at a position and go to fan graphs and look up how many games, how many games started a guy has, because the reality is like this manager now in an auto new fan graphs points league, they don't have Vinny Vaughn and Prado all for one B. They have Vinny for first base Vaughn and Prado are outfielders. So that's the first and foremost thing is here is like, don't trade one of these guys because you have three first basemen, especially given like, for for Pascantino and Prado, like they're teammates. So this isn't even like a short term, like, oh, he's got outfield for now. But like next year, the Royals are still going to have Pascantino. They're still going to have Prado. They're still going to have Salvador Perez. And they're still going to have MJ Melendez. Those four guys can't all play first base in DH, which means they're going to, some of them are going to play other positions. So you're going to have Melendez and, and Perez are still going to catch. Prado still going to play outfield. Like, that's just the way it's going to be. So there's no no rush. Don't don't feel like you have to trade one of these guys. That said, what if I were to trade one? Prado is the one of the three I would trade. Would I trade him for a relief pitcher? No, I would not. Uh, I mean, maybe like I was trying to think when I when I was looking at this question earlier, I was trying to think of an example. What relief pitcher would like if someone in your league has a three dollar Edwin Diaz? I would trade Prado for a $3 Edwin Diaz. Not four. My guess is that doesn't exist. (laughs) Okay. You know what? A four, but not five, (laughs) Uh, maybe five, but it's the point is like a super cheap, legitimately elite reliever. Sure. I, I, unless it's that, unless it's like a legitimately elite relief pitcher at a good price, I don't want to, I don't want to stash relievers. Now I will keep relievers, right? If I have relievers that I think are good value, Fine. I I will I will sit on relief pitchers. Like I have a league where I am selling right now where I have a $2 Jason Adam who's putting up over 9 points a game for Tampa, a $1 AJ Minter who's over 9 points a game for Atlanta, uh Paul Sewald at $3, Evan Phillips at at $2, they're both over 8 points a game. Felix Bautista is almost at 8 points a game like and I've got him for $1. Like I will keep all five of those guys. I would trade for any of those five guys. But I'm not trading a ton for them. And, and even that, like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess you say if I had Prado and I could get a $1 AJ Minter or a $2 Evan Phillips, like, maybe that's good enough. Maybe. But probably Steve not. Price. I, yeah, I mean, the, it depends on what Prado's price at. And the, and the, the, 
the reality is like relievers are volatile. Now, every player is volatile, but relievers are more volatile. And as good as those guys have been this year, I just, I don't know. I no. I, I think that, I think the answer is like, no, it is not dumb to stash relievers. There's nothing wrong with stashing relievers, but I am very, very cautious about what I'd be giving up for in a trade. Because the other thing about this list of relievers I just gave you is I picked up Paul Seawald for $1 last year and he's $3 now. Phillips, Bautista, Adam, and Minter at $2 and $1 each. I picked them all up this year. That's an elite bullpen that <laughs> is costing me six, seven, eight, dollars $9 total. Four of whom I picked up this year easily and one of whom I picked up last year easily. So like, yeah. Don't go crazy going after relievers. Yeah, no way. And 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 I mean, I have another kind of anecdotal example, and it, it's not as good of a bullpen, but it's been pretty good. I didn't keep a single reliever going into this year. I got David Robertson for a dollar, Daniel Bard for a dollar, John Schreiber for a dollar, and all three of those guys have been pretty spectacular for me for this year, given their price. Um, so it's it's just not a position i would personally invest in if it was a roto league i am in an an new roto league that's what the pitcher list league is where i find obviously saves are a lot more important um if i could trade for a player right now a a person who i think could be a closer next year like that would be something that i would invest in we kicked around the idea a few weeks ago about razel iglesias right where you know you and i seem to both think he's going to be the closer for the braves next season he's somebody with a track record obviously you know elite seasons in the past I don't know if I would give up a cheap Nick Prado for him, but honestly, in a rotisserie league, I would really, really consider it. But in a Fangraphs points league, from my year and a half now of experience, I I don't see a need to to invest in the position. As a matter of fact, I kind of find it fun to go into the auction knowing I'm going to spend five bucks on all five of my relievers, and I bet it's going to turn out okay. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that. So uh, let's move on to the next question here. Uh, our next one is from the great Slambino at Hamilton with two M's Porter on Twitter. He's in an odd new head to head Fangraphs points league. He has a $31 Pete Alonzo, a $12 Josh Bell and a $3 Vinny Pasquantino. My pitching is weak in general, he says, but I also have a lot of injuries. I'm in a position to make the playoffs. Would you sell Pete Alonzo for some starting pitching? Would you sell someone else? I'm also trying to think about the future. Thanks. A lot happening there. I, I Chad is a go for it. Swing for the fences type of guy, but I find it hard to swing for the fences and go for the win if you're trading away an MVP candidate in Pete Alonzo. Obviously, it would depend on the return. So, Chad, what do you think of this question? Yeah, that that's the real challenge is that it's, you know, how much of a how much of an improvement can you actually make to your roster if Pete Alonso is leaving your roster. And so I actually love this question. And the the next question is as well. Like we have three straight questions here that are about teams with multiple first basemen. And and I have a league. I've got one league that we talked about last week where I have Josh Bell and Alonso and also have Matt Olson. And they're all going to be first base only next year. Although this year, Bell is still an outfielder. I have another league where I have Reese Hoskins, Paul Goldschmidt, and Vinny Pascantino. I can only play two of them at any given time. And in that league where I have Hoskins, Goldie, and Vinny, I am shopping them. And I'm shopping them for pitching. So it's a very similar situation. But there's a key element in that one, which is I can't play them all. So if I trade 
Like if I trade Goldie, yes, there is a drop off from Goldie to Vinny for the rest of the year, for sure. If I trade Vinny, I lose the ability to plug him in when Hoskins and Goldie aren't playing. Fine. But I'm not actually changing my day-to-day lineup that much because one of those guys is sitting every day anyways. And so any pitcher I get is just a net addition. For this team, that's not the case. They can put, unless there's something we don't know, they can put Alonzo at first, Pascantino at Util, and slot Bell into one of their outfield spots and get value from all three of those guys. So what that comes down to is for me, I might, I might trade a guy like Hoskins for 75 cents on the dollar if I get a pitcher who really helps me because I can afford to lose him. I wouldn't do that if I had a team that was like a borderline playoff team. Like if you sell Alonzo for 75 cents on the dollar to get a starting pitcher, you're going to make your team worse overall. You just are. So if you're going to make a trade, it better be a good one. You better get a, a good return. I also don't think Alonzo's the one I would trade. Now, this does get into a, you know, sort of like what we talked about with Ryan's question back at the beginning with all those third basemen. If you want to trade one of these guys, put them all on the block and just see, like, I'm willing to trade one of these guys for a pitcher. Who are you willing to give me? And find out what the best combination of what you give up and what you get is, right? Like, someone's got a relatively inexpensive DeGrom and they say, you can have him, but only for Alonzo. Fine, do that. I get it. If someone's trying to sell you like a, you know, an overpriced Mike Clevenger, that might help you. And I might trade for Clevenger, but I'm not giving up Alonzo to do it. So I I think you got to, I would put them all out there. I would make a move if you think the move will make you better this year. I think if I had to pick one of these guys to trade, it's going to, it kills me to say this. (laughs) <laughs> I think it would be Bell. I love Josh Bell, but he is outfield eligible this year and won't be next year, barring something unexpected. And so he's the one I would move because his value is going to go down. Like to some other team trying to to buy for this year, he has more value than he will in the little you know in the off season. So I think he's the one I would shop. My second choice would be to shop Pascantino only because. I think he's very good. He could continue to hit the way he's, you know, he's been on fire for like two weeks now. He could continue to be like that the rest of the year, but he's a rookie. And so he's probably going to be up and down and he's probably going to be the least stable of these guys through the playoffs for you. So, you know, you're trying to balance the future and the present. So I think Bell is the guy to shop. Make sure you get good value because the thing to remember is these three guys are all in your lineup. So any trade you make is taking someone out of your lineup. It's different when one of them is stuck on your bench. Yeah, I think that's about right. If you can, if you can play all three, like we theoretically he could, but maybe there's a there's a log jam somewhere else where there's just two more obvious players that need to take up those spots. Then I I'm with Chad. I think the piece to move is Josh Bell. I also think that because he's kind of in that middle ground where like he's not the upside or he's not the the high end talent like Pete Alonso. He's not the upside play like Pasquantino. Like he he might yield the least amount of return of those pieces. So then it comes down to he says he's dealing with injuries in the pitching department. Well. Who? Because like if it's Tarek Skubal, who's done for the season or, you know, uh, Carlos Carrasco, who might not be back until the playoffs, then obviously, you know, you need to make a move. If it's Clayton Kershaw, if it's Luis Severino, if it's one of these guys who looks like they're going to be back pretty soon, 
uh, then maybe you're, you're okay and you don't need to move one of these pieces that are obviously working for you so far this season. So it is a tough predicament to find yourself in, but I'm with Chad. If you have to pick one of them painstakingly because he is a keeper cut favorite, it is Josh Bell. Our next question comes from the breathing or, or breathing orange fire. There's no the there at orange fire underscore on Twitter. As Chad said, we have another first baseman question, and it also includes Vinny Pasquantino, who everybody's got him, but nobody has him as cheap as I do in our league, Chad. I got him for a buck, and I'm so happy about that. So I have three first basemen, $18 Jose Abreu, $2 Christian Walker, $2 Vinny P, but I can only play two. What do you recommend I do with them? Offer Walker around and cash in on his big year. Offer Abreu because he's probably not a keeper. Vinny seems a definite keeper at that price. I'll let you take it, Chad. There's no way I'm moving Vinny. I'm not a big Christian Walker guy. So I I like Walker, and I think that there is actually more in his bat than we've seen. Probably not more power. Like, I, I don't want to be too crazy here. He's got 29 home runs this year. That already matches his career high from 2019, and 2019 was the rabbit ball year. Uh, but his increase in home runs this year is uh, basically a launch angle thing. His fly ball rate is way up. His launch angle is up a bit. And so his home run per fly ball rate is actually a little bit lower than it was in 2018 and 2019, but nothing too crazy at 19.3%. He's just hitting more fly balls at 46.4%. And so like, I, I like that. He has a 211 BAPIP. Now, I don't think he is a high BAPIP guy, but he's not a 211 BAPIP guy either. And so what you have here is a guy with a 12% walk rate, an 18.9% strikeout rate, a, a pretty solid home run per fly ball rate. And I think he's underperforming. Now, I think if, I, if I'm looking at what I'm getting from him moving forward, I would guess fewer home runs than he's given you so far and a lot more of every other kind of hit, right? More singles, more doubles. Maybe more triples. Does he have any triples? He doesn't seem like a guy who hits a lot of triples. He's got a triple. He's had one triple every year since 2019, and he's already got his one for this year. So he's done. But I would expect him to like. It's yeah. So I would, ex- but like I would expect his home run rate to go down, but his on base percentage, his batting average, and maybe even his slugging to go up the rest of the way, just based on like that 211 BAPIP can't stick. It can't. So. I don't think I would shop Walker because I think you're actually in some ways selling a little low. So I think Abreu is the one to shop. Like, I think if you go into next year with Vinny and Walker as your two first basemen, you're in a pretty good spot with those two for $4 plus whatever they eat up in arbitration because they will get it in arb. And I would be trading Abreu for, well, I don't know what. This person said, they are in a Fangraphs Points League. They're in third place. They want to hold off the fourth place team. Yeah, I, I I don't know off the top of my head what this team needs. So it's hard for me to say what I would shop him for. Let's see if I can find him. He is the El Salvadors. So I'm going to pull up this league right now. He is in third place. His His pitching is excellent. Second best pitching in the league by point spreading pitch. His offense is weak. Eighth in the league, seventh in the league, eighth in the league by 
points per game. Looking at his team, I mean, obviously he's got those three first basemen. In the outfield, he's got Naylor, Stanton, who's hurt but should be back soon, J.D. Martinez, Luis Rob Robert. Like, man, I feel like this this is a team just loaded with disappointing outfielders. <laughs> Charlie Blackman, Mike Estremski, who's been better lately. Andrew McCutcheon hit you two home runs today. I hope he was in your lineup. Uh, middle infield, he's Oh boy, Jose Iglesias, Haseon Kim, Chris Taylor, Tommy Edmond, Bobby Witt Jr. He's got, you need some help on offense is what it comes down to. <laughs> Looking around, there are, you could use middle infield help, you could use outfield help, and I would be shopping Abreu for either of those. Like, if you could swap out, you know, Abreu is at 6.08 points per game. That's less valuable at first base than it would be anywhere else. If you could swap him out, for a middle infielder or an outfielder at like five and a half points per game, that that immediately becomes your best middle infielder. And even at five points per game, like he doesn't have a single middle infielder over five points per game. So I would be like, that's where I'd be looking is like trade a Brayu, try to improve yourself somewhere else on offense. That makes sense. I mean, I, I will admit when I said, I would uh, look to be moving on from Walker. I I kind of ignored that he's only two dollars. I think that's obviously a bargain. My concern with Walker is is kind of simple. I mean, his line drive rate is the fifth lowest among qualified hitters in all of baseball, and so I think that really helps explain the BABIP. I still find the batting average a little low, just because he's made such improvement the last few seasons in strikeout rate. Right now, it's at a career lowest, but below nineteen percent, which is huge. And we were talking about a 31-year-old who's just completely and utterly selling out for power, and it's working. But if those strikeouts start to creep back in as he gets old, like I, he's not a player that excites me that much. He's one of those guys who I look at his stats for the year, and I say, well, I missed that. Like I, I didn't get that, so I, I'm not going to get it going forward. There's no way I'm going to pay for that now because I don't expect that going forward. I realize the StatCast data. I mean, it's all <laughs> Carlos Correa would love Christian Walker uh, because his StatCast page is beat red like we were talking about last week when he was talking about the Tyler Molly acquisition. But um, I see the line drive rate, and I just think this guy's completely selling out for power, which for players work. I mean, look, there are players in the bottom 10 in line drive rate that I really like. One of them is Aaron Judge, and I think he's having an okay season. So I'm not saying it's like this death sentence for – uh, Christian Walker, but I think we'd all agree that there's a lot more going for Aaron Judge than there is for Christian Walker anyway. Um, but the line drive rate, anyway, really stood out to me. 31 years old, not a guy I necessarily want to build around, but for $2, he's a keep. And if you can get something for Jose Abreu, a middle infielder, fix up that squad, I'm uh, I'm going to be with Chad on that one. So that takes us to um, Britton Allen at B-R-I-T-T-O-N Allen, A-L-L-A-N on Twitter. Um, he's got a pending trade in his five by five old school ought new Roto league. And he wants our thoughts. Team a traded away $39 Corey Seager, a $10 Tommy fam, uh, in an outgoing loan of $35, which I'm going to guess completely makes up the difference. And team it does. B it does. Okay. Uh, team B traded away Alexis Diaz for $2, uh, David Bednar, who's $3 and Tarek Skubal, who is $9. A lot of hurt, hurt arms there. Team A is in 11th place. T- okay, that, that does make sense. Team A is in 11th place, and Team B is in fourth. What are your thoughts? It sounds like 
he may have a little bit of an issue with this one. So Chad, what are your thoughts here? It does. It, it, he doesn't ever say anything like, I don't think this is a fair trade or I'm, I'm upset about yeah. the But it's like, it's, it, there's like an undertone in there of like, what do you think of this trade? And <laughs> I think it's fine. I do too. I, I mean, fam, like, I don't know, $10 fam is fine. Like, that's a, it's a fine piece. He's like, nobody's excited about fam long term and they shouldn't be. And that's fine. He's a cut at that price. Corey, He's a rental. Yeah. And Corey Seeger at $39, I, I'm not, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to think, this is a five by five. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about Corey Seeger's five by five value. Well, he's going to be nothing in speed. Right. So my initial thought is like, yeah, he's providing you obviously a lot, plenty of home runs, an okay average, like a 252 average. Like he's not hurting you an average, although there's some, he's got a 248 bat up. So maybe there's some upward regression coming. The yeah. runs and RBIs are solid, but not elite. He's got three stolen bases, which is more than I would have guessed. <laughs> So he has three stolen bases this year. He had three stolen bases over the last four years combined before that. So uh, he's not going to steal you a ton of bags. He's got the green light this year. (laughs) Yeah. Going wild. So I I guess the point is like at $41 next year, I don't know that he's that exciting a keep in a five by five league. And so he's probably a rental too. And from that perspective, in five by five auto new leagues, right? So keep in mind, if you haven't played a five by five auto new league, you're talking five relief pitcher slots and 40-man rosters, which means there are 60 relief pitcher slots and a bunch of bench slots where people can go find closers or part-time closers. Saves are gold in 5x5 five five auto new. Bednar and Diaz at $3 and $2. Like Even if Diaz is sharing that job next year, assuming Bednar comes back healthy, which he, I, as far as I can tell, he should, that's a pretty nice get. You've now got a really solid start to a bullpen at a very, very low cost. Now, Scooble, I, I don't know. Now that we know that he's going to miss a good chunk of next year, I'm not sure I want to stash him at $3. Uh, the upside is that he probably gets placed on the 60-day IL pretty early in the season, and so you don't have to use a roster spot on him. But I still don't think I want to stash him at $11. I don't know. I haven't really thought. The news on him is so fresh and I'm still sort of torn on what I want to do with him because I really like him from a talent perspective. But you know, he he's run a little hot and cold this year. I was getting excited about him again after a cold stretch when he got hurt. He's certainly worth $11. Like he is an $11 pitcher without a doubt. And if he were going to pitch even 130, 140 innings next year, I'd be fine with that. I just think he might pitch 80 innings next year. Yeah. And they might be rough innings because he's working his way back. Like this is, it's it's not Tommy John, but it's almost like a guy coming back from Tommy John in terms of how long he's going to be away and what he's going to have to work his way back from and all that kind of stuff. So I don't love that piece of it. But if I leave Scooble out of that, and I can trade two rentals for two. I think Diaz is the closer there next year, right? And so, but I think at the very least, he has a part of that job and is going to put up solid rates and get a handful of saves. I, I have no issue with this deal on either side. Like from the other side of it, I'm not getting anything out of these guys. Even Diaz is not like the Reds are terrible. So even if he is the closer, he's not doing a lot for me. And I get a presumably a significant upgrade at shortstop 
and a useful outfielder. I'm good with this. I'm good with this from both sides. I am too, uh, especially that piece about saves in, in just in Roto in general. I mean, we've seen over the last, you know, I'd say the last two to three years, especially saves continue to creep up in your Roto drafts. It's no different in, in old school Roto for fan graphs where you have to start five relievers. And it's obviously one of the 10 categories. Um, I think, I just think Alexis Diaz is kind of nasty. Um, the walk rate looks a little bit ugly, but and now keep in mind this is only over seven and a third innings pitched. But like with relievers, we're always dealing with small sample sizes. They are so erratic. But he's only walked one in August over the last seven and a third innings pitched. He, he seems to be locked in right now. Um, and I'm with Chad here that he's going to be the closer next year. Bednar, we definitely like. He's a slam dunk at two dollars. Bednar more expensive than Diaz um, is a little odd. Uh, anyway, kind of besides the point. Scooball, I think you just have to look at is how do you feel about him over the next two years. Because if you like the talent and you think that if I keep him for 11, I can stomach it because I'm going to really like this talent fresh at $13 in two years, then I, I like that piece of it too. And I think there are definitely enough Tariq Skubal fans out there that would probably argue that in two years, he's going to be worth $13. Um, so if you feel good about Skubal for over the next two seasons, then I also like that part of this deal. So I... I, I'm trying to find where the problem is. I mean, if you're competing and, and some team in your eyes basically just got Corey Seager for a low-end closer, you know, I get it. Uh, it's frustrating. But that's part of the beast with Keeper and Dynasty and new Leagues is teams are very different stages of where they are in terms of their competitiveness and, and where they see themselves. And if there's a team out there that's like, you know what? Um, saves are going to be a problem for me. Uh, it's looking like there, maybe there's not going to be a lot of saves available in the auction and I really need saves. Well, he just locked up two closers for five bucks and he parted with two pieces that he was going to cut that are useless for him this year because he's not competing for a championship. So it does not make any sense to hold on to those players. Did he maximize his return for Corey Seager? Well, I'm wondering the same thing with my return for Mookie Betts in our league, but I still feel pretty good about the pieces that I got. And at the end of the day, I improved my team going forward, and that's all we're trying to do. So maybe he didn't have an axe to grind with this. He was just curious the uh, the thoughts, but I'm more than okay with this particular trade. Yeah, on Diaz, by the way. So you mentioned his his August walk number. So on the year, he has an 11.8% walk rate, which is high. He has not walked guys in back-to-back outings since July 22nd. That is only 13 innings, but it's almost twice as big a sample as what you, you were talking about before. <laughs> well, we got Over the that time, he has a he has a 4.3% walk rate and a 43.5% <laughs> strikeout rate in that time. That's Sounds like Bobby Doblex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. That's since the All-Star break. If you go back to July 8th, which was when he was last called back up and added to the the bullpen. He has a 42.9% strikeout rate and a 9.5% walk rate. Now that 9.5% is a lot worse than the 4.3%, but it's better than that 11.8%. And so now you're talking about, again, still not a huge sample, but 16.1 innings over this most recent stretch of his time in the big leagues. Like he's been excellent. He has a 1.71 FIP. Right. So like, yes, the walk rate over that stretch is still not quite as low as you'd like, but it's been even lower since the all-star break. And since then he's got a 1.50 FIP. So like I, I'm, I'm all in on Diaz. Like I love him in Fangraphs points leagues and four by four leagues, like anywhere where saves don't matter because 
I don't know if he's the closer. He doesn't seem to be the closer and the, the Reds don't get many saves anyways. But as a long-term piece in a five-by-five league, if he goes into camp next year as the Reds closer, and he should because he's the best reliever in that bullpen, he has the potential to be a, a, you know, it's hard to call him an elite closer because the team still won't win very many games, but he has the potential to put up elite strikeout numbers, elite rates, and, you know, bad, like good closers on bad teams save 25 to 30 games. So I'm, I love it. I, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there on Diaz. And it sounds like you and I will be in a little bit of a bidding war in our auctions next year uh, on Mr. Diaz. It's assuming he's even, he's probably not going to be available. Uh, yeah. But that, that gets us through you folks' questions. Now, Chad, you had a couple of trades as we approached the hour mark that you wanted to get some thoughts on and chat about. So what do you got there? So I think we'll, we'll go with one of them right now that I think I'm not going to make. But it's an interesting one based on some of the questions we've gotten about trading prospects. So I'm in a league where I'm rebuilding where I have a $20 Luis Robert. Now, I don't think that's a piece I have to trade. I think he is well worth keeping in Fangraph's points at that price. I was offered a $1 Jordan Walker and a $2 Taj Bradley. And as of this moment... I am turning that down. I don't think I'm going to take it, but I was curious. I don't know. I've gone back and forth on it. I've asked a couple friends for help. Those friends have both told me, no, don't take it. And so that sort of helped nudge me that direction. But it's, it's an interesting debate about like how good of a prospect or how good of a prospect haul do you need for a guy who is established, but I don't want to say I don't want to say struggling, but this year has not been as good as last for sure. He's putting up 5.46 points per game this year. He put up 7.4 points per game last year. He also has like a full season's worth of plate appearances in the last two years combined. Right? He has 354 plate appearances this year. He he's been in and out of the lineup recently. It's unclear if he's going to be able to play much this weekend. So you know, we'll see how much more he plays this year, but like, I mean, how much is he know, again? $20. Yeah. I mean, it, wouldn't it be nice if Jordan Walker became Luis Robert? Wouldn't that be good? Oh, well, I think that's, that's sort of what it comes down to, right? I, like, that's what I mean. Like I, the no interest. Luis Robert for $20 is is still just an easy slam dunk key for me. And I'd, I'd really have to be blown away. Now, I'm curious because Taj Bradley is at AAA, but he's, he's struggling. He's hit some bumps. Uh, and it's Tampa Bay, who I just want, after this season, I want nothing to do with a Tampa Bay pitcher again, ever. I don't care if they trade for Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, who I love. I know he sucks and can't stay in the field, but I'm going to throw him in there anyway. And Joe Musgrove. And they trade for all. I will not trap a single one of them. I'm done with the Rays forever. Now that I got that out of my system, what does your pitching look like in this league? So we talked about this last week because this is the league where I just traded away Taj Bradley <laughs> and traded away. I literally just traded him the other way. Um, my pitching is league. This is a league where I've got that $30 DeGrom, the $5 McClanahan, oh, $3 yeah. Ron Contreras, $7 Framber, $6 Andrew Haney, uh, a $5 Logan Gilbert, $5 Reed Detmers, $25 Brandon Woodruff. 
And then I've got Kyle Muller, Ken Waldachuk, Daniel Espino, and Cody Morris stashed right now. So you you have at least one prospect who's a high higher rated than Taj Bradley on most lists to begin. That's an easy reject for me then. Um, yeah, I'm keeping. That's fair, Robert. Yeah, that's. Fair. I think you did the right thing. That's what that's what everyone's been telling me, and yet I like. I think it's because I'm higher than most people on Taj Bradley, and I really like Jordan Walker, and so I'm like, because oh, I'd of love to get freaking Mac Heckman, he got at you. Yeah, he did. And and I liked now. it. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But I th- I think the important sort of the lesson for me, and the the way to make this relevant to our listeners, is a reminder that like just because I want those prospects on my roster doesn't mean I. I should just do whatever it takes to get them. I think sometimes the opposite is true when you need a like, so this is the other deal I just made today, which I, I wasn't going to go into detail on, but we, you and I could talk about, cause I think it's relevant here in a league in that CBS league where I'm trying to compete, where I told you I turned over my roster so significantly way back at the beginning of the show, the last trade I made there. So I'll go through these three trades really, really quickly. I traded a $10 Joe Ryan for a $32 Zach Wheeler. Very straightforward, just get the better, more established pitcher for the playoff run. I traded a $9 Tanner Houck, $5 Cabrian Hayes, and $4 Nick Lodolo for a $10 Mike Clevenger and a $15 Kenley Jansen. Saves, hard to come by. We run three relievers in this league. I didn't have a third closer. I needed a third closer. That was that deal. And then because he wanted Lodolo, I wanted Clevenger back to at least... I'm a little worried Lodolo is going to get some days off and stuff. He's been a little up and down anyways. I want the sure, the sure thing, semi-sure thing anyways in Clevenger. The last trade I made, and this is the one that I want to talk about now because I think it's most relevant to the conversation we're having is because I traded Hayes, who also got hurt, and so it wouldn't have helped me anyways, I only have one third baseman on that roster. And there is a team with a $21 Alex Bregman. And I reached out to him and was like, hey, the trade deadline's like tomorrow. What do you think about trading Bregman? And we were going back and forth in a deal. And I had proposed, there's also an issue here where we can't loan dollars in this league. And so I have to, and I've, the other two trades I made ate up my free cap space. I always save cap to make these trades, but I'd made two of them and I didn't have room for the third. So I had offered him a $24 Cattell Marte, a $1 JJ Blade, and a $1 Harrison Bader for his $21 Bregman and a $3 Jorge Polanco. The Marte Polanco piece of this was mostly a way for me to have middle infield depth while while not eating too much salary because I couldn't. And he understandably said, no, that's not enough. I need something more. And we started debating like, okay, let's replace Bader. And we were, were throwing some names about, we're going back and forth. And, you know, we we're trying to do this quickly because we just started talking today and the deadline was tomorrow and nothing was coming together. That league, we have a minor league system. I have Aaron Ashby stashed there for free. He will cost me $1 next year if I call him up, which I, I would because of the way the way the league is structured. The right thing to do with Ashby is to leave him stashed until the offseason and then call him up. And that's what I was going to do. I love Ashby. We've talked about this. I've now traded him in two leagues in a week. So maybe I don't love him as much as I thought, but I do love <laughs> Ashby. And so this was a a difficult, difficult choice for me. But, you know, I pinged you offline, right off the show. I pinged you, Pete. And I said, would you let Ashby stand in the way of this? And you were like, no, man, like, go get your guy. And that's like, that to me is the difference between going to get your guy to help you win and going to get the prospects you love. Like, 
the prospects you love are still lottery tickets who might collapse. And so you've got to be really careful about overpaying for them. But do I think I might have overpaid for Bregman here? Maybe. I like this trade. I'm fine with this trade. But even if this is an overpay, it doesn't matter because I was making the move I needed to make to get my team ready for the playoffs and it's worth it. And I, I, I just don't think it's it's an overpay at all. I like it, both Bregman at, at 21 and you said Polanco was three. Like those are keeps for me next year. And Bregman is so hot right now. You just have to pay for those players. He has not hit yeah. this well. Like the way he's hit the last couple of weeks, he hasn't hit this well since like 2018. At least it feels that way. I've been. Oh, he's been on fire, absolutely on fire, scorching. Stole a base today. He had like four hits, a homer, and a stolen base. He is on fire. So you, you got to pay to get those players. And if you win a championship, you'll never think of Aaron Ashby again. So I, that's that's an easy call for me. I'll miss him. Uh, like <laughs> it'll be like a montage playing in the back of my mind of like Aaron Ashby dominating. Like <laughs> I cry a single tear, but. It's but, but but that's not the point. Regardless of whether or not you think this was an overpay, and I, I agree, I don't think this is a bad deal. I think it's fine. But my I think my my bigger point here, because I do think maybe my Jansen deal was an overpay. Giving up Hayes and Lodolo, yeah, basically to get Jansen, like that feels like it might be an overpay. But the point is that like if you want those guys to put you over the top and you're getting a guy like Kenley Jansen, you're getting a guy like Alex Bregman, you know what you're getting, they're established. That's worth overpaying for to put yourself in a position to win. Don't do that to go get a prospect you love because there's a good chance they're going to bust. And you just got to like, it's just not, it's not worth it as part of a rebuild. There's other prospects. There's other guys you can build around when you're rebuilding. Make sure you get good value. When you're going for the title, go get the guys you need to win. There's always going to be top prospects that you can trade for. There always will be, but there's not always going to be a championship you can contend for. So go and get the championship. That is episode 72. Uh, don't forget, follow us at, at @keepercut. Follow Chad at, at Chad Young. You can follow me at, at PP Baseball. Please leave us ratings, reviews, all that good stuff. And again, you didn't miss the question episode because the next episode we could take your questions. So please keep them coming, folks. We'll see you next week. Good luck as you're trade deadline approaches. <laughs>